When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I can still feel that pain in Bolton as the world laughed at our tears. And then that rainy day in Cardiff compounded all our fears. A skydive without a parachute, a club without a plan. England's fastest failure since the day the league began. Kevin Blackwell's barmy army paupers made of kings. From playoff final to relegation, Icarus burnt his wings. All that remained at Elland Road was debris from the collision. Down and out on minus 15, bottom of the third division. Anger and confusion and pain and humiliation. Eventually we stopped the rot with the spark of Simon Grayson, Beckford or Old Trafford, Bristol on the final day. Just for the sweetest moment we could sing the pain away. Grayson took us right to the edge, electric at his best, but the club were being strangled, the bastard wouldn't invest. Left dwindling in mid-table, just drifting like a leaf. Seasons over in February, pitilessly brief. Warnock and Hockaday, Rohubka, Morrison and Juf, Bates, Haig and Chilino, we were tortured by the truth. And then he came from Rosario, the Peacocks one in a million. This gentle, bespectacled genius, Beeston's Argentinian, Bielsa on his bucket, blessed the hallowed turf, breathed life back into Elland Road with a sense of pride and worth and now United are unstoppable, the truly mighty whites, there are adults in the stand who've never seen these heights, there's no more hope, there's no more praying, finally there's belief, there's marching on to the promised land with the bit between the teeth, there's going up as champion, we're exiting the void, at last the tears that grace our cheeks are tears of pride and joy, the 16 years are over, we've cut and bruised and burned, but every moment has been worth it to see our club return, so strap in for the Premier League, there's plenty more to be done, this new dawn for Leeds United has only just begun. introduction wasn't it (laughs) hello good morning good afternoon good evening wherever and whenever you're listening in thanks so much for joining the very first episode of the all new right in the gary kelly's podcast series i'm your host vic potentially better known on twitter as girls know football too i'm joined this week by matt m kaylee c and matt b hi guys hey vic hello hello so after 16 years, Leeds United are back in the Premier League and we'll be following all the ups and hopefully just the occasional down over the course of the season. We'll also be your one-stop shop for Leeds United ladies news and interviews this season, which we're really excited about. But before we look forward, I think we've still got a little bit of celebrating we still need to do. So for one last time, let's go for mental. Get your whistles, get your whistles. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! <laughs> Great celebration, that guys. Oh, <laughs> All right, we've got that out of our system, promise. <laughs> Before we get going properly, a huge thank you to the Leeds based poet Matt Abbott for penning down those remarkable words at the top of the show. Looking back on 16 years of pain and the resurrection of Leeds United, we all had tears in our eyes the first time we heard it, so it's totally fine if you guys at home do too. So Leeds are back, 
how are we all feeling about being fans of a Premier League club once again? Is it actually sunk in for you guys yet? For me, personally, uh, no, not at all. I think I've probably got Leeds promoted about 106 times on Football Manager and FIFA <laughs> over the years. Uh, but I, 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 I never genuinely thought in my lifetime that that we get back, we get back up. I think. You know, we've been the lowest of the the low in, the, in our history. You know, minus 15 League One, and you look at us then, and you look at us now, and it's 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 stuff of dreams, really. And I think, yeah, I still feel it's not really sunk in. And I think it's a shame as well in the manner. I always kind of imagined a packed Ellen Road. You know, 40,000, or sorry, 36,722, whatever it is inside. Another 40,000 outside celebrating the city, having millions out on the streets would have. An open top bus, you know, you kind of in your mind, you always imagine that. And probably in the manner that we did, I feel, I still feel it's uh, probably one of the main reasons why it hasn't sunk in because you can't, you have not been there to really uh, get it all in. And, and we've and not actually absorbed, experienced yeah. it, have we? Well, that's it. Yeah, that's it. And I think, you know, I think we've all dreamt it, we've all imagined it in another lifetime, I guess. But yeah, it's it's an amazing feeling, and I just think. As a fan base, we need to be patient as well. You've got to think 16 years we've not been in the big time. And I think there's a lot of impatient fans. Maybe they're the new fans. I think if you know this club the last 16 years, you've just got to believe in what they're doing because we've got fantastic owners compared to some that we've had in the past. And yeah, I think um, you know the, the journey's just beginning for this football club now in this city, really. I think I have to agree with Matt in the sense that because of lockdown, we didn't really... You never really got to take it in, really, until occasional, well, the free nights of big celebrations outside Ellen Road and Millennium Square. But other than that, like you, like Matt was saying, you dreamed of having the the night, said the night out after or throughout the day of celebrating, getting promotion, and for it to all to all just come come about in the way it did. You just don't really feel feel like it's really happened. I find myself, especially when the fixtures came out, you sort of. <laughs> So after double take, that was it's still us being involved in like the Premier League announcing fixtures. Whether it's like when Leeds were tweeting about VAR changes, you can sort of you still don't feel like we're part of it yet. And I guess until the first ball's kicked at kicked at Anfield, I don't think that that'll still set in. And especially for sort of my generation of, of fans, you. You've not really seen a good Leeds United in the Premier League, which hopefully will happen this season. But you're still waiting for that moment, and we've not really experienced the nights in Europe, or even if you went as far back as '92, uh, lifting a first division title. You still, you're still waiting for those 16 years of wait have been been a long one, and the journey's just been well incredible when you look back on it. But you still. You just can't believe that this year is going to be the year you finally see your football team in the top division of English football and potentially, well, is the biggest the biggest league in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good point that there's an entire generation of Leeds fans that haven't or haven't in their age where they can actually acknowledge it, seeing Leeds United play in the Premier League. And over that 16 years, so much has happened. It's not like we've kind of just had had simple seasons like other clubs. We've definitely gone through the ringer. I think um, someone put a Twitter thread on a couple of weeks after we got promoted and it was literally just a list of all the random things that had happened over that 16 years and quite frankly it actually makes you wonder how we've still got a club to support. It's crazy we've, we've actually got a banter thread that uh, Matt, Matt, Matt B's uh, kind of had ownership of uh, and it's it's a fascinating read and uh, in fact we need to update it to be honest but um, yeah uh, you should have a look at that but it's it's something where you can you can look back and think, my goodness me, it's it's what have we been through? We've been through, like you said, we've been through the ringer uh, these last 16 years, more than any other football club. And I think I think that's why it means so much as well, and, and in a way why we needed to celebrate it more than what we what we could, obviously the pandemic and that. But I'm sure later down the line we'll all have an opportunity to, when it's when it's sunk in, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll be able to celebrate again properly. I do understand that because I was born in '94, so. I can't really remember Leeds United. <laughs> I can't really remember Leeds United being in the Premier League that much. So my first memory for me was probably our playoff final loss against Watford. So I did go to that match, and then I got my season ticket. Our first season of Championship. So I can remember when we got relegated to League One, and me and my dad went to Darlington away. It was a pre-season friendly, and our team came out, and we had no sponsors on our shirt. We didn't really know it was going to be a football club the next day. It was Ken Bates era. 
15 point deduction. I remember my dad saying, he was like, you probably don't understand what this is, the lowest point as a football fan for myself. I can't believe how far we've fallen. I can't believe we're here right now. So like, not like many years ago, I was in a Champions League semi-final, was winning Division 1, the three months before you was born. So yeah, my Leeds United memories as a fan haven't been that good. So for me, this is the absolute standout highlight. <laughs> Hopefully we'll it gets to be so far. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, when we've touched on it, let's let's look at the positives. Let's look forward to the fixtures then. Um, some of the standout ones that have got people talking, obviously, the opener against Liverpool at Anfield for the first game of the season. Um, Man United away on the 19th of December, both Newcastle fixtures are midweek in December and January, which I'm sure a few fans will be hoping to get to. And then there's the dreaded April. So let's let's maybe not talk about April just yet. I'm not quite ready. <laughs> um, so let's start with Liverpool. Norwich were the 18-19 Championship champions and, and their first game of the season was away at Liverpool. They got turned over 4-1. What are Leeds probably preparing for? How can we make sure that that doesn't happen to us this season? Well, you don't really know where to start with Liverpool, do you? Because where, where do you start trying to defend against possibly the best team in Europe? Um because they're they're pretty unlucky to go out of the Champions League, really. Um, and to me, they probably are the, the best, well, one of the best teams in Europe. So how does <laughs> you sort of ask yourself how can a how can a champion, well, a newly promoted team stop the best best team in England? And it it sort of frightens you, but you're also sort of optimistic that you sort of with the intensity that Liverpool play at that we hopefully might be able to match it, and that might be the difference. Um, that we have compared to the other teams that have come up in the fact that Bielsa drills us to basically run ourselves into the ground because to earn even a point at Anfield on that opening day we're going to have to be everything's going to have to be perfect we're going to have to be um, I think we'll all be running around like headless chickens <laughs> uh, Click will be running rings around Jordan Henderson if he's if he's fit um, <laughs> and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see Bamford <laughs> cupping his ear in front of the empty cup when we go 1-0 up after half an hour. <laughs> it's the dream. Well, from the Premier League's point of view, the need to have champions versus champions, the opening fixture of every single season. It's got such a draw. You can imagine the sky build up. It's going to be absolutely epic, isn't it? And I just think um, it's something that, that they need it every year. It pretty much should be the charity shield, let's be honest. But um, yeah, it's going to be tough, but hopefully they're on a, they're on an off day in the, the Bielsa tactics and Bielsa ball takes clock by surprise. Um, let's hope he just don't watch that Barnsley game and, and we might get a result. <laughs> I hope their murder ball sessions are paying off. I think the main worry is that we don't go there and again get absolutely turned over 5-0. But I think we could get something from it. If you look at some of our fixtures that we've had and how well we've played against them pre- uh, last season, I think on the right day we could very easily get a 1-0 win or even a draw like a 2-2 draw because they've got our clean uh, clean sheets back end of the season I think was it seven clean sheets out of ten games so I know it's a different side of the strike who is going against them but I think we could possibly get a result from it I'm quite positive about it yeah I think it's finding that right balance between obviously having the respect for the quality of the opposition but also not fearing the quality that we have and understanding how good we are as a team like there's a reason that we ended up walking the league so it's kind of just taking that in, into the new season and, and not being scared of what we're going to come up against, I think. What's the uh, first fixture you'll all look for then? So when the, when the fixtures come out, you know, do you look at your birthday? Do you look at the Christmas running? Or do you look when we're playing Scum and Chelsea? Is that is that kind of what you you look for? Birthday for me, but mainly because we've not had these big teams playing on my birthday or Christmas for a while, so... <laughs> Who have you I got? Um, I think it's the Chef United away game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, again, tend to look for my birthday first as well. Obviously, for the Premier League ones, you look at Chelsea away, you look at Man U away, home and away. And also, um, two of my close friends are Leicester and Chef United fans, so they were two I looked out for also. Yeah, well, my uh, so most some of my family live in Leicester, so that's always one that um, we always look for in our household. But it's normally Boxing Day, because that's normally... Um, normally determines where we're spend, <laughs> spending Christmas, whether it's down down there or or up here with the leads are at home or whether leads are playing away somewhere in the Midlands is is normally somewhere that determines where Christmas is. Have you got any family in Burnley at all? Surprisingly <laughs> no, but <laughs> my, my dad does have a friend there. It was that <laughs> it was a bit bit of a uh, well I don't want to say a letdown but you sort of think, you you sort of hope Boxing Day is another one of those fixtures, don't you, that um you get a nice tasty tasty tie 
uh, on, but no offense to Burnley because we've <laughs> we've played we, we've played them how many times in the last in the last uh, ten years? I know they've been a Premier League club for the last uh, three, is it now? Um, but it's it's sort of a fixture that we're used to, and that's that. Um, that's why I, that the one thing I was hoping for with the fixtures is that we weren't playing a, a lot of the top teams at home in the first in say the first three months because obviously we can't we, we can't attend so you don't want, you didn't want to be missing out on the fixtures that you'd missed out on for the last six years you didn't want to be playing say Fulham and Aston Villa at home uh, all in one go at the end of the season because the sort of the fixtures you you sort of used to so you you you're always looking to find those Manchester clubs and Chelsea at home weren't you the big ties at Ellen Road are always the ones that you want to want to experience. Well, I mean, that leads us nicely into chatting about April because um, fixture-wise, it's obviously looking like a very difficult month. I mean, personally, I'm hoping, dreaming of a mid-table finish. I don't know how optimistic or pessimistic that is. Obviously, I'm, I'm in the middle of the table there. But looking at April, we obviously need to be comfortable that, by that point because we've got Sheffield United at home, the only Yorkshire derby in the Premier League. Um, so obviously, a lot of fans will be hoping to go to that. We've then got Man City away, Liverpool at home, then Man United at home. So that's definitely a tough four weeks that hopefully by that point we'll be able to attend. But from a points position, we need to be making sure that we're secure by that point. 17th and 24th April are massive. But then then two home games have got potential to be the biggest home game we've had in the last 15, 16 years. It really has. And, and yeah, like you said, depending on our position, and it's it's so difficult to even predict um, you know, where, where we'll be. I think as long as we stay up, I'll be happy. I, I really will. But you know you think you've got to think as well you know you're going away to Man City that's going to be such a great game to see Guardiola up against Bielsa it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see and then followed up by uh, your Liverpool and your Manchester United straight after that and even Sheffield United you know I can't see them struggling next season I think it won't just a one-off what they've done the season just gone so I still think they'll be up there there or thereabouts so like you said yeah April's going to be absolutely brutal but you know, maybe Sky might get in there and, and do what they normally do with us and change all the fixtures around and we may get a, a couple of gaps or a few games changed around. But as things stand, it's gonna be it's gonna be absolutely tough. But it show you how far we've come with the performances and the results we potentially could be getting from that. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting, definitely for, for sure. We've touched on fans returning. Um the current government guidance is advising a phased return from October first, which is promising. Um, clubs are doing their own thing in terms of ticket allocations, but there's already a few sort of rumours flying around about how things might be different from a fan's perspective. One of the things is that fans that do go will have to sign a code of conduct, conduct before entry, and that'll be agreeing to things like no singing, no chanting, there's going to be no away fans. So what do you guys firstly, like, what's your take on how do you even go about policing that kind of no chanting rule? And from us, from a fan perspective, what's that going to do to the experience? It'll just be like the Stretford end at Old Trafford on a match day, then up and down the country, <laughs> will it? We may as well, we may as well wear Arsenal and Manchester United shirts and on a match day. I guess you can't really police it, really, can you? Because how do you stop? How do you stop physically stop someone from chanting or even shouting? So, for like, if it's the first game that everyone's back and leads score, it's possibly the first goal that we will see live in the Premier League at Ellen Road. There's just there's no way that you can physically stop stop people from celebrating uh, that moment by yeah. <laughs> in silence because <laughs> it's, it's, it's just be not what we, it's just not what we do <laughs> either because we know we like to make a racket in Ellen Road and yeah. it's it's just it's just not in our nature is it so you sort of <laughs> you are wondering how they are going to come come about that uh, but I did see, in terms of what they're going to do in terms of policing, I did see, I think Sunderland have started registering fans for like your their game bubble. So I'm guessing that's because that, that's going to be another problem because people are, who go with the mates are not in the same household necessarily. So how do you, there's another thing that uh, there's another logistic nightmare. But I guess I guess it's it's the new world that we're in in football. <laughs> So with the first return that we've had with the, the games when they wrapped up the Premier League, the, the Football League and, and Europe and, and Champions League, you've got all the directors, you've got their friends, their family, you've got all the technical staff. They're all, everyone's out in full force. That's what we've seen. So they're going to celebrate. They are celebrating. Sometimes you feel like there's there's 10,000 people in the stadium when you've been watching games live. So surely that has to... They have to be in line with the rules and regulations as well, surely, because if we're sat in the stadium and we're gagged, then why can the directors and the technical staff and everyone else, coaching staff, be vocal and stuff? So it's 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 going to be difficult. I can't 
really see it working. I did see that they're looking at the old firm game as, as one in Scotland that they've got a trial in. I just think it's going to be interesting to see next season how it will work. So I know the SBL are already got their 2020-21 season up and running, haven't they? So it will be interesting to see how it's going to work. But I think it's going to be difficult to police, like Matt, Matt said. So, uh, yeah, another one to keep an eye on and see see how it'll pan out, I guess. Do we know what the punishments would be for it? Would the club get punished or would the individual get punished for it? I don't think I've seen that much detail about it. I just know it's one of the kind of rumours, but it's a very valid point in sort of keeping the members of the club and even journalists to an extent quiet as well if you're asking that of fans. I mean, I can't imagine... I imagine Victor Orta keeping too quiet when that first goal of the Premier League season goes in. Wouldn't fancy telling him he's not allowed to chant. Well, Kayla, we'll probably get a points deduction if it's left to Victor Orta as well. So that's probably out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not celebrating too much. If it's yeah, left, it's yeah. a points deduction. <laughs> yeah, just like when we brought a pyro on the pitch as well at Derby, but uh, the West Brom players did that as well, didn't they, when they, they got promoted? I don't think they've been sanctioned for that yet. So uh, Liverpool yeah, did also. Exactly. So time to address the elephant in the room. Matt and I have kind of touched on where we expect roughly Leeds to finish. Um, Raj Razani's done a couple of interviews lately sort of suggesting that obviously survival is key for this season, but there's a five to six year plan in place that aims to have us playing European football again. So, you know, might make us look ridiculous come May, but I think I'm going to stick my neck on the line and say if we can support with a signing of a decent striker and a centre-back, I reckon 11 to 12 is, is us this season. Yeah, I would disagree because without sounding, you don't want to get too, you don't want to get too big-headed really before the season starts. But there is a lot of, well, dross really, isn't there sometimes when you think in the Premier League, there's a lot of players who are probably at clubs where just playing for a nice little paycheck. Well, I'll say little paycheck, a nice, nice big paycheck. And um, you, you, you just like to think that will bring a different energy to the league and hopefully take it by storm. One of the things that you look at at the teams that did come up is that Sheffield United tweaked here and there, but they're stuck to the same system and they're stuck to how, while they're stuck to how he wanted to go about things. So you sort of think Bielsa will do the same thing in his own right. And you, you like to think that'll be a success towards that. We'll only bring in players that Bielsa really knows that he wants to work with and that will fit the system because that's the ultimate thing, isn't it? It's like, it's in our case we've seen it's the it's the system, not the player. Where we, you could sign a brilliant player, but as long as he doesn't fit the system, what's the point in what's the point in signing him really? And I just think that that will work in our advantage. That will, especially with BLC, just like you say, you, you you've got to think mid table's got to be a. But as long as we survive, I can't really <laughs> I can't really argue because I think this this is the crucial season where if you, as long as you survive and then you can start building again uh, towards I, towards getting up the league in, in in the two or three years after it. Absolutely, I do think we could get tenth or eleventh very easily. I think a lot of people have written us off. Obviously, what you see on social media. As I'm not sure at the same time it's because we're Leeds United. We're not a very white, well liked club. Obviously, you keep seeing, you know, we're going to get relegated. We're not going to do very well. Every team thinks they're going to get six points off us. But I think if we play consistently at the back end of last season, so we had the Cardiff game where, you know, we all got a bit tense about and the Luton game got a bit tense. But actually, the last four games, I thought we played, arguably, if that was in the Premier League, very easily a top 10 side style football. But I would also happily take out infamous 13th, 14th place league finish. I'd be very happy with that. Yeah, we need to get that trophy back, don't we? That that 14th, 15th <laughs> that we, we kind of used to doing. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with the guys. I think I think you look at champ- championship, you know, it was like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, week in, week out. And, and there was that, that always about Leeds burning out, Bielsa's team's burning out, all that stuff. And it's gruelling, it really is. And I think it could be our advantage this next season. It may not that... He does like to work with a smaller squad and obviously we won't be in Europe, so potentially you're looking at one game a week rather than two. But with that, you're paying better quality players, better quality teams, better quality clubs. Um, and it's elite football at the highest level. And I know he likes his small squads and I just think, it, you know, he needs to look at it because it's it's going to be gruelling for the players. And, and the way he plays, the way he trains, the, infam- the famous murder ball... As long as we stay up, I'm happy. You know, you don't want to be floating around on relegation. And, and like Kayleigh said, you know, looking at that mid-table, 13th, 14th, 15th, I'd be happy with that season one, absolutely. And like you say, we've got a five-year plan, so none of this 
pushing for Europe talk, all this, not this year, you know, no pressure on the team, no pressure on the manager, stay up, that's all we're asking for, uh, and then build, and then, you know, activate that five-year plan, but we've got to get through year one, definitely, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how we get on, I guess. You just don't want to be, end up being, being a, labelled a yo-yo club, do you, like Norwich or some of the some of the teams that we've we've seen in the past, It's you just don't want egg on your face of having that moment after My. 16 years. 16 years. My next door neighbour, Matt's a Norwich fan, and he absolutely loves it. Absolutely loves going up, going down, going up like a yo-yo. He loves it every year. He's like, yeah, we go, we rebuild, we get some new players, we go again. And I just think it's just, I'd rather go down for 16 years. You know what I mean? Go down to the wilderness, go to the bottom of the bottom. Your Darlington's away, there's no sponsor on the shirt, then do it. Rather than be a West Brom and, and Norwich, I just think it's, it's just boring, isn't it? If you're going to do it, go do it properly. I think that would just sanitise the whole point of winning the championship though it's like what's if you're winning it every other year and getting relegated every other year then what in in, in reality what you're actually achieving as a club because you're just going in between getting your nice little prem, premier league payday going back down collecting your parachute payments back up and so on it's not exactly a fun journey to be on as a club like you say you you sort of want it, everything to be a bit of a, a rocky road and end up at your Darlington's away with with no shirt sponsors. I'm Richard Naylor. When I'm sat at home watching our promotion from League One on DVD, there's nothing better I like doing than reading and listening to writingthegallykellys.com. So it's time to take a look at some of the signings we've seen so far this window. Um, no big names through the door yet, but some smart business in securing loan talent and building on the youth squad that we've obviously um, done really well with over the few last few years. Not least in young keeper Melier, who obviously had an absolute stormer of an end of the season after he had to step up to the starting 11 plus of course Jack Harrison so how important is it that we kept hold of those two players who actually played both of them played really vital parts in getting us over the line I think you nailed it by saying that they played vital parts I think um, I think for Jack Harrison especially uh, he's grown massively since he first came to the club and I think it's a, a, a really smart piece of business as well by the board that they potentially could have uh, activated the eight million pound by uh, by fee for him, I think it was for this summer, uh, but again they've extended it for another season, which has been a great bit of business and, and a massive fair play to, to Man City and, and Meslier as well. You know, it looks like he is going to be the the front and centre of the of the club now as number one. You know, he's in all the the uh, kit launch and uh, for the goalkeeper kit as well. So I think they see him as the the number one over Casiru. I think we're expecting to see him depart by the looks of things so yeah you know like Kayleigh said earlier as well he kept, kept uh, some really good clean sheets to tally towards the end of the season as well so yeah I think it's a smart bit of business from the club uh, to, to definitely retain them too uh, and obviously Elder Costa as well uh, is, is going to play a, 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 hopefully a huge role for us in the Premier League next season. Well, I was going to ask you about that obviously we we're three weeks out now from the first game of the season we know that Bielsa has stated before at previous clubs that he likes to have as much time as possible naturally to have these new players come in and train with the team so that they're, they're properly embedded before the real football starts is there justification to fan frustration that you're seeing across social media or is it like you say actually there is good, good business going on we don't necessarily need to see an influx of these massive names for it to be a successful squad. I think yes and no, because I can understand that we're three weeks out now and we've basically signed up players that you probably thought we were going to sign anyway. But if the other side that you've got to look at is the fact that the situation we're in is, it's, it, we've never been in it before. The fact that we, we, the turnaround for the season is really quick and we've, <laughs> with everything that this... Um, virus has, has brought about you, you sort of get the feeling clubs are waiting on one another to, to basically pull the trigger on the first transfer because no one really knows how much how much teams are going to pay for someone like Ben White or um, I don't know so, someone someone else in the British market so I think that's probably why you, you might see us going for someone um, for, from Germany like um, Cock but I, yeah, I just think we'd, we'd, I think all the clubs are waiting on are waiting on that one that first move. Before, it's going to be a bit like a domino effect, and I think once that first transfer drops, I just think that's when you'll start to see see quite a few teams starting to make the moves and understanding the market really, because I think it's I think it's just an, an ever changing an ever changing process at the minute, and no one really knows how much how much to probably start start bidding and stuff for players because you. 
there, there's quite a lot of clubs, I think, who are in financial crisis, like we've seen with Valencia, so you could pick up some bargains. But other than that, you don't really know what what, we, what we're going to pay for players and stuff. I did read a rumour um, that apparently we were on about signing that Rodrigo from Valencia for £30 million, but I'm not sure how much truth's in that. But looking at his stats, if we did get him, again, not sure how much truth's in this, I think he's got about 50, he's 59 goals and 41 assists in 220 appearances. So looking at that, that would be a great signing for us, but I'm not sure a higher chance of that actually happening now. Factoring that, that like the financial difficulties, like you say, there's hope that we might even get him a bit cheaper. So could be the bargain of the century, that one. Well, we've extended the contracts and offered pro contracts to a number of the younger players. And like looking at the signings we've made, Gellert from Wigan, Drami from Fulham, Charlie Allen from Linfield. What role do you see these young players coming in and, and playing? Do you think any of them have got one eye on the first team squad? Well, by all accounts, um, I always look at fans' reaction to when they lose young players as to, I know it's probably not the best um, the best measure of how good a player is, but you always like to see how fans are reacting because that normally gives, they're watching that team week in, week out, aren't they? And like the Wigan fans were just, well, like, you were like almost in near tears in the replies when they saw that we'd picked him up. And it, we picked him up for was it about a million quid I think, um, and everyone's saying yeah, and people are saying like this, uh, Galdar could could be like the next Rooney sort of thing in terms of playing style, and you just think like what, he's and he's just getting so highly talked about that he could be just he could just perfectly fit in by the looks because he's already played first team football I think so uh, you you think he'd probably be the one who'd probably he'd probably be on the bench you think. Uh, from time to time, and uh, you'd, you'd like to think that we'll see we'll see him uh, sooner rather than later because he does sound like an unreal talent. I uh, I agree. I think uh, you've got to look at our reaction when we've lost some of our best young talent over the over the last 16 years. I think the likes of the the, the West Ham's and the Norwiches of you know their fans have I, I've had no idea who Sam Byram are. But the Sam Byrams, for example, you know, I remember the, the West Ham fans, I had no idea who he was, but the reaction of our fans gave them an indication on on, on how important we believed he was and, and, and where he was going. Obviously, his career's not as gone as what we all thought he would do, but at the time, he was he was at the peak. But yeah, I think with Gellert, he, you know, I think we've all been guilty of, of YouTubing him, and I think there's a title of one of the YouTube videos saying the next Wayne Rooney, and I believe, you know, looking at some of them, some, some of them finishes for the... The, the Wigan under-23s and 18s in the first team are, are pretty decent. And I think, like Matt said, I think a lot of them are going to be knocking on the door for first-team opportunities. But they've got good opportunities in the under-23s to really make a make an impression. And I think um, it's, it's definitely ones for the future, which are, which are good to see Leeds going round and doing what, what other clubs have done to us. Maybe not so with Wigan. I feel a little bit sorry for them, you know, but not many clubs felt sorry for us when, when our talent was getting poached left, right and centre. So... Yes, yeah, exciting times, young talent, um, and ones hopefully we'll see in the first team for for many years to come. And if you look at his stats, even for the England under-18s uh, squad, he's scored 11 times out of 24 appearances. So that's pretty good percentage for goal scorage. And I know for sometimes at Wigan, he also played almost a number 10 role. So it's good to know he can also play a bit of a wider role if you ever just see first team action for us this upcoming season. We've got the EFL trophy this season as well, haven't we, with us having category one status. So it's even more of an opportunity for those youngsters to shine and, and push for that first team squad as well. You do you actually forget that. So that that will be a brilliant brilliant way to get to blood some of our players because they do say the the jump from under twenty threes football to first team is huge and if they can start playing against as well, like say, full experienced players in football league, it'll blood them well. Even if it's not the the ability isn't the same as the players they'll come up against in the Premier League. It's just getting 90 minutes against against experienced footballers and starting to fit, just get that feel of what it's like to play play in a in, in a full match and just get that experience really. Because like I say, experience is vital, in, especially especially in the Premier League. And if we can use that to our, our advantage, you'd like to think that you never know. We might even have a trophy by the end of the year. <laughs> He's definitely got the strength for a full 90 minutes. He looks pretty stockily built as well, which is always good to see. Be also having trimmed down in uh, in two weeks. He'll, he'll yeah, one week of murder ball, he'll have dropped about six inches. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's all of the current completed business anyway at time of recording. Um, coming up after the break, we'll be looking at all the back pages of the papers, the in the no transfer rumours. Plus, we'll be discussing if we have a chance in hell of getting Ben White back to Leeds and the prospect of Calvin's season without him. browsing Twitter during the break and refreshing the free Ben White hashtag, why don't you head over to the Terrace and check out their Leeds United range for all your retro, classic and modern day gear. I'll tell you what Dick, I've got to say, I love a good brew in my Tony Ebow mug, bought on the terracestore.com. Right, let's get stuck straight into the Ben White conversation, shall we? Um, at the time of recording, we're three bids in, 25 million is the latest rejected bid, Brighton aren't budging by all accounts, and so to speak, we've got Cock waiting in the wings. So are we being romantic at this point with Ben or is he really worth that kind of money and the time delay? It, it, it depends how, I think ultimately comes down to how how, how bad Bielsa wants him really. And uh, you'd like to think probably either the 25 million we've offered now or the, the potential 30 we might offer is our ceiling. Because you, as much as there's a romantic side of it, you've got to sort of think of it from a financial point of view. We're a newly promoted club and we can't compete with the Man United's and the Chelsea's or whoever comes in for him because he is that good and he, he will go on he will go on to play for a top six club. He, that might be us, you never know. Um, but I, you'd, you would think that he'll, one day he'll pull on an England shirt and for those clubs probably taking a gamble at say gamble at 30 35 millions probably not as big as it is for us and you just think you I think even at this point we have to you have got to get your sensible head on sometimes and you just got to think there, there will be a cut off that we think no that's just that's just not we just can't do that and we've got to have to go for for another option and I think whichever option we do go for I think it's, it's Bielsa's call isn't it so you, you trust him and you know that he'll pick we didn't really Let's be honest, we didn't really know who Ben White was before he joined. We did a few bits about him, but and that Bielsa had chased him the year before. But you did, if if Bielsa wants a player, you know that he is he is going to be hopefully top draw, and you just trust his judgment because let's face it, he's, he's one of the best managers in the world, if not if not the best. If we're being a little bit biased, um, so whoever we bring in, I, I have ultimate faith that Bielsa will make him. Uh, make, we'll get him to fit in and make make him a top centre half in the Premier League. I think I have to agree. I don't think Ben White is worth thirty million pounds. I agree that potentially one day he will be. That doesn't seem too far off. But right now, with no Premier League experience behind him, I read an article this week saying that Graham Potter has priced him at thirty to forty million pound mark, and then he's saying that he needs to assess him during training. So again, even from that, you could tell he's had no Premier League experience and us as a club cannot afford to take that gamble on the player. I mean, last season, Man U signed Harry Maguire for £80 million. For them, it was a lot of money for them, but 40, 30, 40 million pounds for us, we just cannot afford that right now. I think £25 million were quite a stretch for us for a singular player, for a newly promoted side. I mean, Tyrone Mings was the £24 million last year. I'm not saying he's... Not a good player, but I don't think he's shown £25 million worth of defensive football so far. I think I saw that Potter quote. It absolutely surprised me. I think, you know, you loaned him out to two clubs at Newport County, at League One, League Two level, I think. And, you know, obviously last season at Leeds. And then to say he wants to assess him in training, not been watching watching him. Has he not seen these highlight reels that have been doing the rounds that Sky keep putting together and every betting company that's sponsored by him? Yeah, I think like the guy said, it's, it's a ridiculous amount of money for a... For a player that's like had no Premier League experience, has not even played a league game for his parent club. I'd, maybe someone can tweet in or, or whatever, or Andrew Dalton, or someone can tell us: is there is there a footballer out there who's never played for their parent club, and he's attracting 25, 30 million pound bids? It's it's crazy, and just the amount of money as well. It just unsettles me a bit. It's Leeds United, you know. We got we all had hard-ons and, and and parties in the streets when we put a million pound in for Luke Murphy, and it got accepted. You know, we're talking thirty million pounds, and we want more. We, we, people are saying stick another ten on it. I think in in hindsight, it's good to look back and 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 think at the time when we got him on loan, should we have put a a future fee or an, a, a, an option to to buy a certain fee like we did with with Harrison and and Costa? But you know, obviously looking back, it's it's something the club may have done, they may not have done, and I think they probably regret that they they didn't push for it a lot more. But um, 
Ben comes, Ben doesn't, whatever's whatever's gonna happen, like the guy said, I think whoever does come in to replace him, Bielsa will make a player out of him. Um as much as I'd love to see him, we shouldn't be spending that amount of money. Definitely not. And especially in this climate as well, nobody really knows what the market's gonna be like. Obviously the big boys are throwing money around, but the mid table lower clubs in the league will probably be a bit cautious. So I think it'd be a bit erratic for us as well to throw that that type of money in. So I think like I was saying before is that you I don't think anyone's really knows what the market's like at the minute. And you look at Chelsea have brought in, they've probably been the main, they've got the biggest activity at the minute in the transfer market, but they've, they got theirs done early and signed Werner and Ziyech sort of when, um, when, I, when the virus started coming about. So into other than those two transfers, there's not really been, there's not really been one that's taken us all by surprise yet. And I think that's what we're all waiting for is that first one, that first transfer to hit. And then, like I said, said before, I think it'll be a domino effect. And that's when that's when teams will start to realise how much they're going to have to spend still to to bring in some of these players. Or in an alternative, an alternative thing is that teams don't actually spend that much money this year and try to work with what they've got already. But you just can't see that. And teams will strengthen... And I think it would just got to be patient, especially given the period that we're in. I read that we could potentially get Cock for ten million pounds, which I think if we could get that as a centre back, but he can also play as a holding midfielder for ten million pounds. I think that would be a great signing. People are seeing our hand. People know that we're throwing it. Well, reportedly throwing twenty five, thirty million pounds into. And you talk about this Cock chap. £10 million put on his head. He probably worth, what, a quarter of that, half of that probably this time last year. But clubs will get win that we're throwing £30 million at players and they'll put values up. Alex Neal at Preston will be looking at Paul Huntington and thinking, well, you know, Leeds might want to get the uh, probable son back and, and probably stick a £10 million value on his head and Matt Kilgallen, wherever he is as well. So I think it's worrying for us that at the moment, if you look on Twitter, the rumour mills, we're having a bit of fun with it at the Peacock's tail that we've just launched, but literally every single player is linked with Leeds United, and it's big money. And I think that is down to the fact that it's become public knowledge that we're putting £30 million in, and Kinnear's going on podcasts and radio saying we've got £70 million in the bank, and I just think it's a bit naive that we're doing this publicly. And Is it a way of putting pressure on Brighton and putting pressure on Potter and, the, and, and, and Ben White? Maybe. But you shouldn't really show your hand, especially when you're new to this league and I hope it doesn't come back to bite us and we end up overpaying for a replacement, which is not even a quarter of the of the talent that we all know that Ben White has. I mean, that conversation leads us quite nicely into Ryan Kent at Rangers. Um, obviously, we've had one bid turned down for him already. Stephen Gerrard's been quite vocal about it. He has admitted, though, that if the price is right, it is out of his hands. So Rangers paid £6.5 from, I think it was, just over a year ago. But the price tag we're getting put to us is, is more around the £15 million mark. Yeah, so, you exactly. know, like in, in the space of that season, obviously he was on loan for a little time in the, the SPL games that he's had so far this season. He's scored three goals in five games, which is brilliant. He's also a very flexible player, which we know Bielsa likes. But is he ticking enough of those boxes to justify to us this doubling more than of his price tag in, in less than a season, really? Probably not as well. You look at the quality of the SPL and no player doubles the value in such a short space of time. Maybe because he gives Scott Brown a good slap. Maybe he could stick an extra million on for that. But you you, you won't go above seven, at least, for, for a player of Ryan Kent's. He's got ability, but, you know, obviously in the SPL, the quality of the, the league is a lot lower than them. Definitely even Championship and, and Premier League. So he's definitely not worth £15 million. But again, that links into we've showed our hand and clubs know what we've got or potentially know what we've got and they will increase value of players. So we've got to be careful, but we've just got to be careful. We don't overpay. You look at Fulham and what they did a couple of years ago and they spent hundred million, went big and it came back to bite them. Aston Villa were very close to doing the same last season. We need to try and look at them as ways of not approaching the Premier League and, yeah, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but at the moment, it's public knowledge we're throwing £30 million, £25 million at a player. So, yeah. I sort of don't worry that we'll, we'll be like um, Villa and Fulham, just in the aspect that I think if we're going to bring players in, like I think Kinnear was saying the other night on well, of the morning of the kit launch, that when that we're looking at about three, three or four players potentially, and I think that's all that 
Bielsa will want to bring in and to work with. I just can't. He's just not someone who who will have a, a, a massive overhaul of the squad like some of these teams have have done and basically fallen flat on their ass because they've not had time to either bed in or they've just not adapted very well. And I just think that Bielsa will bring in three or four players of quality that will change us rather than trying to basically buy a new starting eleven and trying to basically start from scratch because that, that ultimately would be a massive problem, especially for and any player that we sign is probably not even going to feature for another three months. So so who knows them who knows them will actually get people in. Let's read about the Ryan Kent transfer. And I know we offered to pay double his wages as what he's on at the moment with Rangers. And I think we should really learn from the big, uh, the big Kev deal that sometimes splashing the cash and spending big it doesn't always pay off. Some players do struggle to adapt to our style of play and our training methods. I guess that's something that we really need to look for in advance. I think the good thing about signing youngs is they're much more easy to adapt to it, whereas if you sign a player that's in the late 20s, early 30s, they might struggle to keep up with our training regime. They might struggle to adapt to English style of playing. So I think signing these youngsters isn't a bad deal as much. I don't think it's such a big issue that we haven't signed a big name per se yet. So if you look at Sheffield United last season, compared to Villa, I know they did stay up, but by the skin of the teeth. And again, look at Fulham a few seasons ago, spending big, it doesn't always pay off. I think it's also key to point out that um, quite, a, quite a lot of players actually surprise surprise you when they come up from the Championship to the Premier League. There's been, there's been a few that have, have actually taken taken better to the Premier League than they have the Championship. And I think we've probably got potential to have quite a few of those in our squad. Like I think I, I think Jack Harrison and Helder Costa might actually suit maybe playing in the Premier League better than they do the Championship. Because um, you, you've seen it with, with, with Norwich and um, I think Todd Cantwell and Lundstrom at Sheffield United. They started that house on fire in the, in the Premier League. And you just think that Bielsa will be happy to probably try and get shift someone into that sort of category and work with them and make them take them to the next level and probably Jack Harrison could be one of those um, because it looks like we'll end up signing him permanent next year and you just I think eight million I think it's the reported fee could end up being a potential massive bargain. Championship players as well. It's what they aim for. They all work, come, some of them come through the lower leagues or the lower European leagues to come into the championship. Barami is an example at, uh, at Brentford. You know, he's playing second division French league. They, they aim to get in the Premier League and then when they're given that opportunity, they go for it. And I think these seasoned Premier League pros have been there, done that one while the T-shirt got a promotion, had a relegation, won the odd cup. You know, they're not too arsed. You come from lower league and you're going to go hell for leather. You know, you look at Ollie McBurney, you know, an ex-Leeds Academy player. He had a decent season at Swansea after being loaned out to many a clubs and got a big money move to Sheffield United. And at the time, I thought, he's not going to do anything. And he bullied defenders. He really did. He was so unpredictable. And and the big boys didn't know how to cope with him. And I'm, obviously, he's a Sheffield United player, and I, I, I genuinely don't know his stats off the top of my head, but he nicked a few goals. And, and that's an example of a championship player that, has got a shot at the big time and taking it with everything. Um, and that's why I look at, like, you look when Brentford didn't go up and you look at their squad and you think, my goodness me, you know, Ollie Watkins would look absolutely fantastic with our style of play. And I think, in a way, you want to kind of focus on these players because they've got something to prove. That's where we're going to be different, isn't it? But I think we're going to have a lot of players who are hungry to, to take that opportunity and they're not just there to make up the numbers like some of the, some of the teams. So that's just... That's just what you need, like Matt says. You want hungry players who are there to take themselves to the next level, grasp that opportunity, and we, by taking their games to the next level, then obviously to take the club to the next level, and that's just the perfect the perfect scenario that you want. If you look at teams like Leicester, some of the players they've signed in the past, like um, Mares and Kante, and obviously they come from unknown clubs, quite unknown players at the time. I mean, am I right in saying they got Mares about half a million pounds? That's what they're That's sold right. him on from. Yeah, it's yeah. Want players like that. They want to play Premier League football. They want to play for a certain manager. They want to prove themselves. And if we go for that method, I think we'd like to create a very decent team for a not too bad price in the current market. I mean, the club said fairly early on, didn't they, that they were going to 
focus on taking the cream of the crop from the championship. Um, I know obviously there was the likes of Ben Rama thrown around, but nothing seems to have kind of moved with that. There are a number of big names that were being linked with. Origi from Liverpool, potentially as part of a double deal with Brewster, according to the Mirror. Rodrigo from Valencia, we've kind of mentioned that, you know, they're in financial trouble. So if you believe that the player wants to come to us, potentially we could get him for, you know, the deal of the century. And then even the likes of Bailey from Leverkusen, how much truth is there in, in these <laughs> leads, in these deals? Well, is, is this literally just paper talk? This is what I said to you earlier about every single player is linked to Leeds. Look at the Cavani. And I think Cavani deal at Benfica, is it collapsed? I'm pretty sure I saw it, I saw it this morning. It collapsed. You know, so that is that back on? Um, you know, is Luca Tony going to get his boots out and that finally have a crack at leading the <laughs> line for Leeds United? It's ridiculous, honestly. All the ITKs are out in full force. Uh, the old Duncan Castles of the of the Bates era and that are coming out of the woodwork mm-hmm. now and they're getting the clickbait up and running, but we're we're falling for it and we're believing in it. And and if we pull off some, like I think one of you guys mentioned earlier about getting a marquee signing in, it'll be a game changer. And it's nice to be linked to big names, but will any of them materialise? God knows. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, with that. You don't. You, I think with the I think the Rodrigo one's probably the one that's probably got some legs because I think it was um, do, is it Demasio um, who reported it and he. He's been yeah. spending time. He's been spending time. Quite reliable, with, isn't he? Yeah, he's very reliable, and he gets most of the top. I think. I think he was the one who originally, going back a few years, put um, got the Pogba to back to Man United transfer. Um, he was the one with the exclusive on that. So he's he's got a track record of being very reliable at the top level, and he's been spending time with Radrazani in Portugal. Because um, I think Radrazani is over there with his eleven sports. Um, with his 11 sports deal, but you just don't know whether these things are sort of just mentioned in conversation and Roger Zani's gone, oh, we've, we've, we've attempted to go for Rodrigo at Valencia, but it's pretty fascinating that we're linked with these players and all of a sudden people don't want want him like Rodrigo because his scoring output's not been good for the last year, even though Valencia have, have been, they've had the troubles, troubles off the pitch, but like I always think if if you've been sticking around the top four in La Liga for quite, it's been quite a long time now. Um, you, you know how to play, and it, you'd like to think that he would be pretty suited to to a Bielsa team, energetic, and he's got a bit of pace up front, and and I'm pretty sure he can play across across the line. So, but a transfer like that for me on paper is would be brilliant. Whether it works out is another thing, as we've seen with. Um, uh, big Kev, you you just don't know until you've got the player. But that's like any transfer, isn't it? You just you you never know until you've got them. But on paper, for me, that's that would be that would be a great signing. Does anybody know anyone that works at the uh, Weatherby Costa Coffee? Someone with the inside track. Yeah, I guess if you if you work there and you just going to occasionally just walk past Bielsa's table and just give it a good cold <laughs> clean now and again with obviously the uh, social distancing and new cleansiness or cleansiness uh, cleaning routines that are happening. Uh, you can just peek over his shoulder and just have a look at the the uh, wanted list that he's got. You know, My housemate is a Costa Coffee manager, them? so I could um, ask oh, her so you get in contact with him. It's an official call out for Costa workers in Weatherby to get in touch with the <laughs> writing the Gary Kelly's social channels. <laughs> it is one thing at the minute. Uh, can uh, people just make sure that they keep the distance away from Bielsa because we uh, we want to keep we want to keep we want to keep him safe. Uh, especially Jerry every time Alex. I see a picture with somebody uh, kind of lining up with him putting their arms around him giving a big smile hugging him I keep thinking first thing I think is oh mate come on <laughs> keep your distance people get closer closer over the this week now this just is God a bit you're touching, you know? yeah but then, but then again I've, I've not been lucky enough to meet him yet but I'm pretty sure I'd be bowing down at his feet and everything I'd be going absolutely mental if, if I met him so I don't blame some of them Hi guys, Michael Bridges here. When I'm lying in Australia on a nice sandy beach watching the sharks and the jellyfish come ashore, I like nothing better than reading and listening to writingthegarrykellys.com. All right, we've touched on the youth and the importance of keeping hold of um, last season's loan players, but what about the squad that we've got? How are they going to adapt to the Premier League? So is, is there anyone that you're kind of confident is, is going to take this naturally? We've mentioned Jack Harrison already, but what about the rest of the guys? How are they going to cope with life at the top? Yeah, definitely. I think Luke Halen, obviously the standout player last season, I think he will easily adapt to Premier League. 
Liam Cooper, I think natural born leader, he'll easily adapt. I guess there'll be some of our younger players who maybe lack a bit of first-year experience, like Jamie Shackleton, um, Pervader, he was from Man City, I suppose. So. But I do think, I think we'll adapt fine to it. I think we're a strong team, we're physically strong, we play quick and fast football, and we tire teams out. We're a very creative team. I think the tougher the championship, the premiership obviously isn't as tough in the championship in terms of physicality, but I do think we play attractive, fast-paced football, so I think we should adapt fine. I think Bamford just had us all on strings, didn't he, last year with all this XG business, so I think... Uh... <laughs> I, th- I think the golden boots are out of his reach if uh, if we keep creating chances. So if we if we put him down for twenty first. goals, if Jamie Vardy can do it, I think Bamford can do it. That's it. Imagine. But yeah, I think going back to who who will um, adapt better. I think I think the I think our wide players might might like it a little bit better. I know there's all this talk about fullbacks in the game getting attacking and everything, but I think in the championship they still want to kick lumps out of them. Foster and stuff every week so I think he'll in as much as they'll probably like a tussle in the Premier League I think that might suit him a little bit better uh, not have, as much as it is known as a physical league but I think playing for, well he won't play 46 games but I think championship in, in terms of physical in terms of physical game is a lot probably a bit a bit of a, um, a bit tougher than Premier League so he might he might get a bit more success of people not having to rough him up and stuff. So I think he might be one of them who we, who we might want to look out for. I think Click will enjoy it as well, if uh, if, if he's banging goals in from 30 or 40 yards. Just touching, I like, agree with the guys say, and I think it goes to that point earlier about, you know, you, you effectively it's a championship squad that we've got. But again, it's that hunger, that wanting to do well. To, they've worked all their careers to play in the big league. Some of them have been there, not made an impact, not got a game, been loaned out, released, whatever. Uh, so yeah, I think we've got a squad of players that really want to, really want to attack and get to the pinnacle and the elite level of football. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think, um, I think Hernandez is going to really shake a few up as well. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I think if you're a non-League United fan, I'd get him in your fantasy team right away. I think he's nicely priced as well. Even making your captain will, will guarantee your points next season. I think it'd be quite interesting how we use Hernandez next year because we saw the success that we used him um, as a bit, well, as a super sub really. And I think with he's 35 now, 36. Um, so he doesn't have the legs as he once used to, but he's still he's probably, well, I'd say he's the best player that we've had um, since we've been out the Premier League in terms of churning out numbers year in, year out. And the fact that he's 35 is just, it's just extraordinary, really. So I think it would be amazing to see how we do use him because I just don't, you just don't know whether we're going to start him every week. But I think that super sub role that he saw, he's played at the back end of last season suited him down to the ground and being able to come on and start picking the game off here and there. So I think that might be a way that we use him next year. And It'd be interesting to it'd just be interesting to see how he copes as well, whether whether he's um, and how many years we get out of him because it's, it's a joy to watch him when he's on it and he's he's just brilliant, isn't it? I have to agree. Yeah, I hope we go for the super sub role for him because when he does come on the pitch, he does make such an impact, such a difference to the squad. But he hasn't got in it for a full ninety. Well, he might have one game full ninety minutes in him, but he hasn't got enough. For, to play 90 minutes every game of the season. So I think we just really need his experience. So he's played in the Premier League before. So he's got very good experience abroad in Spain. So yeah, I just think we need his experience and his super sub role. And he'll still be the magician that we all know and love. Well, look, we can't leave without a quick mention of our uh, first Premier League home shirt in 16 years. I think by the time it was launched, we all had a fairly good idea of what it was going to look like, thanks to the joys of social media leaks. But what are we thinking? Does it live up to the occasion? Beautiful. I really like it. I think I think it was the um, the the video, the Adidas video that it, it just. I think that's that's another point that just made you sort of feel like this is this is it really, and that it's real. It all seemed this is something that something like the hype of a big club gets. I know it's only a what minute and a half clip, but you sort of you just got that feeling just watching it that this is this is a big club back in the big time and. Obviously, it's a, it's a shirt to match, isn't it? 
Well, we yet to see the away in the third kits as well. And obviously there's been quite a lot of rumours and supposed leaks and screenshots. Like very contentious Reg, Burgundy, Maroon, third kit, whatever you want to call it. What's your, what's your take on that? No, Reg. Uh, it's, it's, it's not Leeds, is it? I know we had that one I, kit I before it was Red, but no, mm. no, we're not a Red team. I, I don't buy this that people are saying it's a kit at the end of the day. Why are people moaning? It's, it's drilling to you from the age of yeah. whenever you start to become a Leeds fan that red, red you just don't associate red with Leeds United even though we've had we have had a red kit in the past obviously but uh, no it's just a, it's, it's a massive no-no for me we sort of know we sort of know what the away kit's going to look like um it looks like it's going to be a nice little revamp of the I'm excited about that one if it's real if it's the blue stripes one that one is beautiful I really hope it is that one do you think they're only doing it to soften the blow a little bit? But I think this <laughs> this red, I can't even say it, this red uh, kit is uh, is going to be very controversial. And I wonder if when the new badge came out, you remember when the new badge came out and they, they, <laughs> they, they, they uh, consulted with uh, 200, 250 fans? No one actually knew who they were. But I wonder if they actually got them, them 250 fans in a room and asked their opinion on a red kit. I wonder what the answer to that one would have been because the prop club will probably say that they thought it was a good idea, but... <laughs> But like Matt said, you know, you 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 grow you grow up. You, you, it's all about not owning anything red. And if any of your mates who who say they're a Leeds fan, they've got a red car, got red trainers, you absolutely nail them, absolutely nail them. So to the thought of our third kit potentially being that colour, yeah, it's, it is controversial. I know some of the old boys will refer back to the the old seventies with the his one with Billy Bremner and famously wearing it and stuff, but. Like like you said, it was for one season, and we've we've never gone back. So going back to the going back to the uh, the the famous salute badge that lasted <laughs> all but probably less than twenty four hours. That's that was yes. one of my fir- that was one of my first thoughts actually when the kit came out that that could have been our badge in the Premier League on that shirt and just how yeah. bad and how Imagine. much of a catastrophe it had been. Just like that would have been it. Thank God for the power of social media, eh? Yeah, that's ten years earlier, we'd have a new badge. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that raises a flag with me with um, the potential red shirt is Radrazani kind of made some comments about him having some creative input on the shirts. And it just makes me think, you know, Qatar have got the kind of burgundy similar colour as well. Maybe maybe that's something that he's promised. Who knows? We'd have to hope for the businessman who's done his product research and knows that it just no, surely wouldn't sell very well. Yeah, a red shirt, that could not have, that surely wouldn't sell very well. Well, if you remember on the Amazon documentary last last year, um, there was one little cutscene, wasn't it, where you saw mm. the the current, well, the what was the pink shirt, but on the uh, proposal from Kappa, um, I'm pretty sure the table on the shirt, uh, the the shirt on the table even was um, <laughs> was red uh, on the the 32 red and the uh, trimmings were red um, to start with, so. You sort of think that maybe Rads has got this red thing in mind, maybe. So it's probably a um, we'll probably end up getting a maroon shirt, won't, won't we? we Even if it's classed as maroon, I'm still saying it's red. I would not wear maroon <laughs> shirt either. I think there was so much hype around the kit. I'd say I'd say there's more hype around the kit than the new signing. It went mental. Like yeah. we we obviously all we were doing a, a kind of pre pre pod uh, catch up. And it just dropped. And we must have spent the, probably the first 15, 20 minutes just watching the Adidas video, talking about it. <laughs> 10 minutes, my connection went a bit dicky in between. But it was like we'd got a new signing times 10. It was the anticipation and the reaction was was unbelievable. And getting uh, on the website the next day was just, yes. it took me about eight hours to order my shirt. <laughs> the cheeky little buggers uh, put it on a bit earlier than, than reported, didn't they? Which was, I, just want, yeah. I just want those training shirts. That's the last one. Beautiful. And they've got quite nice um, casual gear as well. Like the hoodies they've done and the t-shirts have done, they were really nice as well. I must admit, Kappa were, in, when, when you look back at it, Kappa were actually really good, weren't they? The kit, some of the oh, kits that came out with. The yellow one last season um, that was, outstanding. Was, was, was amazing, but you, you just can't compete with a Nike or an Adidas. Oh, you? sorry. I thought you were on about Macron. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or, or an admiral. <laughs> oh, the admiral was awful. The awful. I remember the admiral oh. one. I think it was 2006. Uh, bet 24. I, I, washed, I washed it and I had a bet two sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, to summarise our first little podcast, I reckon, um, so Leeds are going to finish mid-table. Ben White's definitely not worth 30 million and Leeds don't wear red. But about sums it up, doesn't it? Nailed it. Nailed it. Perfectly. Sounds about right. <laughs> well, that's the end of the first episode of the brand new Writing the Gary Kelly's podcast. What a great episode it was. Thank you so much for joining us. Also, a big thanks to the two Mats and Kayleigh. Don't forget, we are all over the socials at RITGK. So get your feedback through. Thoughts are very welcome. Um, we've got to play it one more time, haven't we? It's emotional stuff. So here it is again. Matt Abbott, 16 years of hurt. Leeds United are back. I can still feel that pain in Bolton as the world laughed at our tears and then that rainy day in Cardiff compounded all our fears. A skydive without a parachute, a club without a plan, England's fastest failure since the day the league began. Kevin Blackwell's barmy army paupers made of kings from playoff final to relegation Icarus burnt his wings. All that remained at Elland Road was debris from the collision down and out on minus 15, bottom of the third division. Anger and confusion and pain and humiliation. Eventually we stopped the rot with the spark of Simon Grayson, Beckford or Old Trafford, Bristol on a final day, just for the sweetest moment we could sing the pain away. Grayson took us right to the edge, electric at his best, but the club were being strangled, the bastard wouldn't invest left dwindling in mid-table, just drifting like a leaf. Seasons over in February, pitilessly brief. Warnock and Hockaday, Rohubka, Morrison and Juf, Bates, Haig and Cellino, we were tortured by the truth. And then he came from Rosario, the Peacocks one in a million. This gentle, bespectacled genius, Beeston's Argentinian, Bielsa on his bucket, blessed the hallowed turf, breathed life back into Elland Road with a sense of pride and worth and now United are unstoppable, the truly mighty whites, there are adults in the stand who've never seen these heights, there's no more hope, there's no more praying, finally there's belief, there's marching on to the promised land with the bit between the teeth, there's going up as champion, we're exiting the void, at last the tears that grace our cheeks are tears of pride and joy, the 16 years are over. They've cut and bruised and burned. But every moment has been worth it to see our club return. So strap in for the Premier League. There's plenty more to be done. This new dawn for Leeds United has only just begun. Podcast Network.